Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Looking forward to it a lot. I'm excited. <laughs> That's an understatement, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's Devin Booker with Dwayne Rankin from AZ Central. Gambo, tonight's the night. We survived it. We made it. We got through it. We made it. it. We did. I kind of feel like, you know, it's, it's, you, you had a goal to survive without Devin Booker. And at times, it didn't look like they were going to do it. At times, it looked like they were going to collapse kind of under their own, you know, weight of all the guys that they were missing and all the players who weren't out there. But they've won eight of their last ten, talking about the Phoenix Suns. They basically played 500 basketball without him since they lost him on Christmas Day. I think it's a game under 500 when it's all said and done. And they're in a position now that they've set themselves up to do everything they need to do over the last 30 or so games of the season. And that is get everybody back, keep everybody back, make a push, see if you can finish as high as the third seed, the fourth seed in the Western Conference. Mission accomplished. They survived their Devin Booker list time. They did. And and this run lately has been real. Remember, there was a time when they were losing a lot of games oh, in a yeah. row. Oh, yeah. And so to get to where they are right now, you know, getting Cam Johnson back was, was really big. Like, that really helped. And then getting Chris Paul back. But, look, there was a time when Devin Booker was out where, like, they were a mess. You go back to, like, after after Christmas, they lost consecutive games to Washington, Toronto, the Knicks, the Cavs, Miami, the Cavs again. And they only, matter of fact, the only win they had, they, that's a one, two, three, four, five, six. They lost nine out of ten from December 20th till they beat Golden State on January 10th they lost 9 out of 10 their only win was a game against Memphis mm-hmm. but then you then they lost 3 in a row Denver Minnesota Memphis and they were 21 and 24 since that time they played really good basketball they won 4 in a row for the first time all year lost one then they've won 4 out of 5 playing good basketball. You can absolutely say that, look, they're three games over 500. they They're right on the verge of having a home court advantage in the first round with a three or four seed. They did survive. They, they did what they needed to do, and now you get Booker back, and you know he's ramped up and ready to go, and they should be able to make a little bit of move here to kind of establish that they're one of the top four teams in the West. Yeah, and nobody doubts it's going to take them a while to get back up to speed, and nobody doubts that there's going to be a certain level of uh, minutes restriction on him starting tonight. Uh, Monty Williams said as much after yesterday's practice, quote, obviously it will be restricted minutes, but he's progressed so well over the last few weeks. When I was getting information from the medical team, there was just an increasing progression of obviously no more injury, but his cardio and how he was responding just felt like this was a good time to bring him back, close quote. I have no doubt we will see something similar to what we've seen with Cam Johnson. You know, these last couple of weeks since he's been back, there'll be a minutes restriction. Maybe they'll be even giving him a night off here or or a night off there for injury management just to make sure he's all the way back. But but it's it's obvious keeping him back and managing the injury is just as important as getting him back. If you lose him to another soft tissue injury sometime in the next two or three weeks, what was the point, right? And all you've it'd done is do it. It'd be devastating. So it'd you've, be devastating. You've I got mean, to be, be very careful with this. Yeah, for all intent and purposes, then you you know you you ruin your season. I mean, at, at the, when Booker got injured, there was plenty of time for you know Christmas Day. Plenty of time to come back, and here it is, you know, six weeks later. But you get to this point now, Burnsy. I mean, you know, don't forget the season will end on April 9th, and that's two months from now. 
So any any injury that that's going to happen, that's that's going to sideline a guy for a long period of time, that starts to really affect your ability to have that guy ready for the playoffs. Yeah, they've played what fifty five games so far. I think the Phoenix Suns have, which would leave yeah fifty five twenty seven games to go when it's all said and done. Right, and twenty six after tonight, and then yeah, I mean, so you know, you you you, you got to manage these guys because you are dealing with guys that have been injured this year. Chris Paul's been injured. Landry Shabbat's been injured. Um, uh, Paul Shamit, Cam Johnson, Devin Booker. It's 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 a load management thing now more than anything else. It really is. I mean, you start to look at okay, they got a back to back Thursday, Friday, like. I wouldn't play Cam Johnson in both of those games. I wouldn't play Devin Booker in both of those games. They got a back-to-back next Thursday and Friday. They got the Clippers and Oklahoma City. I wouldn't play those guys back-to-back. And then they've got um, they've got another back-to-back March 13th and 14th. Like, and then another one March 24th and 25th. Like, you see what I'm saying here? Yes, like, there's enough of those back-to-backs where you're dealing with injured guys that you got to be really careful. You got to you got to take that Steve Kerr philosophy. I don't care what the NBA thinks. I don't care who's coming to see my guys play. Yeah. Like, this is about making sure that these guys are healthy and ready for the for the playoffs. No doubt, because I think from a seeding standpoint, I mean, look, we all want the best seed possible. James Jones admitted to you and I as much about a month ago that, yes, of course you think about seeding. But I, I think for the most part, as long as you can stay out of the play-in tournament, I don't really give a rip where the Suns are seated. I mean, I really don't. Now, now, do I think towards the end of the season they should make sure they stay out of the play-in tournament if they can? Yes, absolutely. I, I don't think they would want their season to come down to a one-and-done scenario like that. But I think any as long as they finish somewhere in the top six, if they're able to do that, I don't care where. I really don't. I don't care who they play in the first round. I don't care about trying to massage it so you get a right matchup or a particular team you want to play. Finish in the top six, avoid the play-in tournament. I don't care what number is next to the Suns. Because I do think, Denver included, the Suns at their very best full strength, there's not a team in the West that I fear. There's not a team in the West that I say they can't beat. It doesn't mean they will, but I don't think there's a team in the West that they can't beat if the Suns are at full strength over a best-of-seven series. And, and you you bank on that, you bet on that, and you go to town, and you don't really worry about where the seed is. Yeah, but I don't, think, I don't think anybody fears the Suns either. The one team to fear if they're healthy is just Golden State because of the championship pedigree with Steph and Clay and Draymond. So that's the team you fear. If they're healthy and they're right going into the playoffs, you fear them. Okay? They've been there. They've done it. They know how to win. They've got a championship pedigree. Like, that's the team. You don't fear Denver. I don't think you fear the Suns. I don't think you don't fear Memphis, New Orleans. The Clippers. Let's see what the Clippers do. I like. I mean, I think that they're... They're playing I think better that they as of need, late, too, by the way. But I still think that they need to make a move to be a team that you would fear. So I don't know that there's really anybody in the West that you fear. If Golden State is re- if Golden State is healthy, and they haven't been like the same thing with them. I mean, Clay's Clay hasn't been healthy all year. I mean, Steph hasn't been healthy all year. He's going to be out what another few weeks right now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Uh, Clay had a really nice game last night. No fear, not fear, but I do think the Suns. Like if you're a one seed or a two seed, and you look in your first round matchup is against the Phoenix Suns, there might be a little bit of man. Geez, really. 
that's the team we got to play, you know, in the first round, given their experience and given how many postseason games those guys have played together. Fear is not the right word, but I think there would be, like, if you're matchup hunting, I think you'd rather not play the Suns if you're a one, two, or a three seed and you see them coming out of the bottom of the bracket because they do have a lot of pedigree and they do have a lot of experience. As far as the Nets are concerned, they're obviously in kind of disarray right now. And I just saw a tweet from Kellen Olsen a couple of hours ago. Uh, No Seth Curry, no Spencer Dinwiddie, obviously no Kevin Durant, no Dorian Finney-Smith. They're, according to the injury report, none of those guys are going to play tonight. So you're probably catching the Nets at a good time in between trying to figure out what they want to be and what they're going to do with the deadline, what they're going to do to keep Kevin Durant happy. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant in the very next segment, so don't worry, we're going to have a conversation about that. It does seem post-Kyrie trade, this is probably a good time to get the Brooklyn Nets right now, I would think. Yeah, I think so. Although that kid that that kid had a tremendous game oh, yesterday. He was good, wasn't he? I mean, he was really good. So I think that's you know, yeah, I think this is a good time to get them. I mean, they're wondering like, what's next? What's next after the Kyrie trade for them? For the for them, do they do they've got these draft picks, and that's one of the reasons they say, okay, Dallas made uh, that uh, the Nets made this move now because it allows them to have Dallas's pick now instead of you know trying to figure out something on the trade deadline now that. They know that they have it. So they could offer up three first-round picks and a potential trade package. They give a top-eight-protected Philadelphia pick in 2028. They've got the Mavs' unprotected 2029 pick now. And they've got their own pick, either 28 or 29, can't be both, but one of them. Then they've got seven second-round picks. So... I don't think that they're trading Kevin Durant. I think they hold on to him, and I think that they try to make a move to try to make that team better. I mean, you got 44 points last night from Cam Thomas. He's going to be given every opportunity to step up and help. You got Dorian Finney-Smith. You got Spencer Dinwiddie. And now you've got some ammunition if you want to go out and you got rid of the headache that is Kyrie Irving. If you want to go out and go get another piece, now you've got that ability. You could even include Dinwiddie or Finney-Smith in a trade with the team come tomorrow, come to the trade deadline tomorrow. Yeah, Cam Thomas, his name was escaping me for a second, but yes, he is the last two games, he's got 91 points and that has uh, worked it didn't work well for the Nets last night, they lost to the LA Clippers as Paul George kind of took that game over towards the end, but yeah, Cam Thompson has played, Cam Thomas I should say, has played very well. Big game weekend's most exclusive event, that's Sports Illustrated's The Party it's headed to Arizona this Saturday, it's going to be featuring headlining performances by Machine Gun Kelly and the Chainsmokers limited tickets are available, you can win a pair now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. All right, so let's have the Kevin Durant conversation. Trade deadline is about 46 hours away. Is he going to get moved at all before that deadline? The latest rumblings and grumblings next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show. This is a couple of tweets from Adrian Wojnarowski when it comes to Kevin Durant. He wrote today, In the aftermath of the Kyrie Irving trade, the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant are having ongoing conversations on the direction of the franchise. But the organization so far has told inquiring teams that they're not planning to trade him before Thursday's deadline. Sources tell ESPN. Durant had, this is a, this is Woj continued. Durant 
Durant had interest in a deal to the Suns over the summer. The only team that Woj mentions in the tweet specifically is the Suns. Durant had interest in a deal to the Suns over the summer, but so far, so far, the Nets haven't shown a willingness to move him to Phoenix or anywhere else. Sources tell ESPN there have been a number of teams reaching out to Brooklyn on Durant. That's where things stand right now with Kevin Durant. Of course. Who's not going to reach out? Of course. Everyone's going to reach out. Everyone's going to reach out. Yeah. Is he available? What are you going to do? Of course. He's Kevin Durant. Yep. He's, you know, for all these teams that are in contention, you think about all the teams in the West. Take every team that's a, that a, that's a contending team in the West and now say they just added Kevin Durant. Okay. They're at the top. Yes. <laughs> like they're at the top. Do you get any team? New Orleans gave New Orleans got Kevin Durant. Like as bad as they've been, you put that they're probably at the top. If Memphis gets them, they're at the top. Golden State, Dallas, Phoenix, like Denver, like whoever whatever contending team got Kevin Durant, if they didn't give up the farm, then you know, and that would that's what the Suns were interested in doing in the summer. They didn't want to give up the farm. I kept reporting they they were unwilling to give up Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. They were very hopeful mm-hmm. to give the Nets, all the picks and pick swaps that their heart desired. Yeah. Um, and expiring contracts, but not give up the players, you know, or just the expiring contracts to make the salary work. Um, it makes sense for the Nets, Bernsey, to hold on to him. See what you do with the, see what they do at the trade that trade deadline, and try to convince him to stay. He's a superstar. He's one of the greatest players that's ever played the game. He's on your team. Nobody wants to lose guy. The Nets don't want to lose him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, now they weren't willing to satisfy Kyrie Irving. And maybe, you know, maybe Kevin Durant even signed off on that. We don't know. But if I'm the Nets, I'm going to do everything I can to try to appease. Now, if I get to the summer and he asks for a trade again, okay, I I might at that point feel like I've exhausted all my options. It's not going to work. Let's move him. Yeah, it certainly seems like the summertime is going to be the time when it comes to Kevin Durant. It just doesn't. We're 46 hours away from the trade deadline. There's not enough time if you're the Nets. You don't want to rush into a Kevin Durant trade and I think you're right. I know you're right. You want to do everything you can to appease him and see if you can make it work and I don't think you can determine that in 46 hours whether you're going to be able to make him happy or not. So you give yourself the rest of the season and if at the end of the season it looks like an untenable situation then maybe you revisit it. I I think the question for the Suns is not it it is not a question of are we going to trade for Kevin Durant at the deadline. I don't think Kevin Durant's going to be available at the deadline in 46 hours right right now. The question for the Suns is, how many of our assets do we hold back at the deadline to try to get in on Kevin Durant this offseason? And that's where you have to do a little projecting and a little predicting if you're the Phoenix Suns. Is Kevin Durant actually going to be available this offseason? And if he is, do we save our stuff to go get him? And if he's not, are we wasting our stuff by saving him for a guy who's never going to be available in the first place? That's the decision James Jones has to make in the next 46 hours. It's not to whether you trade for Kevin Durant or not. It's whether to save your assets for a Kevin Durant trade that may or may not happen this summer. Yeah. That's, well, that's the, the question. Th- isn't that the truth? That's, that's the, the truth. That's the, boil it down. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. You've got assets. Do you want to use them now because you don't think you're going to get Kevin Durant this summer? Or do you save them because you think there's going to be a sweepstakes and you're going to be at the front of the line? That's yeah. the decision facing James Jones right yeah, now. The easy answer is what, what can you get with those assets? now yes can you get 
Pascal Siakam, like who can you get? It would you would you would have to get somebody you feel pushes you over the top. You know, you'd, you'd have to get somebody. This guy pushes us over the top. We are clearly the best team once we if we get him. Well, there are a handful of players that are that could do that. Durant's not the only player that that the Suns could get. We'd be like, okay, they're the favorites to get it. I mean, if the, the, if the Suns were able to get Pascal Siakam, you know, we you know somebody like that. But if you're not, then I think you got to hold on to the assets. And, and if you don't get Durant in the summer, you try to go get somebody else. Yeah. I mean, or listen, you know all the players that have been rumored? A lot of them are not going to get traded. Okay, OG Ananobi and Collins and Kevin Durant. And go through the list of all the players that have been mentioned. The majority of those guys are not going to get traded by the deadline. Okay? But that and they may be available in the offseason. Teams may hold on to them and try to get something and then in the offseason they're available. So um I think I think in last offseason they put all their chips in in the, uh, you know in on Durant. They didn't get him and they ended up with Jock Landale, Damian Lee and Josh Okoji. Mm-hmm. That's who they ended up with. I don't think you put yourself in that position in the summer. I think you try to establish right away if Durant's available and if he's not you move on. Yeah. But if but I don't give up assets now at the trade deadline for a guy that's not like that game-changing type player. Because if, if, then if I lose the assets to get Durant, then I may lose out on Durant. So I'm going to be very careful at the trade deadline not to give those up unless it's for a blockbuster type player. It's funny. A guy that I know that you talk to every now and then, uh, Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports, wrote a story today with the latest trade rumors. And, and I mean, nothing nothing super new in there. It's a lot of Van Vliet stuff. It's, it's some stuff about Boyan Bogdanovich. But there was one line that really stood out to me in, in these Jake Fisher trade rumors, and he was talking about the Raptors trying to trade OG and Anobi, and I thought this was interesting. Quote, officials from multiple teams told Yahoo Sports they expect the number of front offices quietly preparing for Kevin Durant to become available will likely dampen the Raptors' bidding war for Ananobi services, at least to some degree. Why would Phoenix, for example, mortgage multiple first-round picks for Toronto's swing man and eliminate itself from any potential Durant sweepstakes come July. Close quote. So what he's basically saying is Toronto is like got this high price tag for OG Ananobi. You might not get it now because all those teams that were going to go in on OG Ananobi might be saying, you know what? Let's save our stuff for Kevin Durant. Let's save our stuff for for a potential Kevin Durant run this offseason and let's not spend it on OG Ananobi and maybe the Raptors have to lower their asking price a little bit knowing that market's not going to develop. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a different and interesting way of looking at it going into the deadline. You don't you get Durant in the offseason, he'll play for you next year at 35. 35 years old. OG Ananobi's like 10 years younger, but OG misses a lot of games. He's had a lot of injuries. Yes. A lot of injuries. Yes. A couple of bone injuries too. Um I, I just think that Durant is that, you know, he's that guy that puts you over the top. I mean, if the Phoenix Suns had Kevin Durant right now, and you know they gave up expiring contracts, and they still had they still had Da, they still had Book, they still had Chris Paul, they still had McHale. Like they'd be the odds-on favorite to win it. Yeah, I mean, even over like a Milwaukee or a Boston, they, they they'd be the favorite. Look. There's a lot of talk that the Celtics, and I reported this last year, you remember that the Celtics wanted Kevin Durant. And, 
you know, if you're the Celtics and you're like, okay, I don't know if I can get past Milwaukee with my combination of Brown and Tatum, but can I get past Milwaukee if I've got Tatum and Durant? And you might feel like you have a better chance, even though you love Jalen Brown, you might feel like you have a better chance of getting by Milwaukee if you've got Tatum with Durant than you do Tatum with Brown. Potentially, yeah. No, I, I really like what you said about this earlier when it comes to the summer. Like, if you want to save your assets, fine. If there's nothing that really appeals to you at the deadline this year that you want to spend those assets on, fine. But in the offseason, you need to quickly ascertain whether anything is going to happen with Kevin Durant or not. And if it's not, you need to move on. You need to move on decisively, quickly, and definitively and say, okay, then, then we're out and we're going to go do something else with our assets. You can't have another summer sitting around hoping Kevin Durant is going to get traded. You can't do that again if you're the Suns. Can't. No, you got to know quickly. But man, they have they have not like I, they must feel like at some point Kevin Durant is going to become available. They must because they're holding uh, on to this stuff, man. They are. They are. They're in a great position. Yeah. Now the only thing you lose in the off season, you lose your expiring contracts that you have now that you're not going to have then to make the contracts work. A Dario, a Jay. Yes. Um, those are the two biggies that, that will you lose be your really expiring nice contracts. Yeah, that'd be really nice filler. Listen for your name every day this week for your chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 57. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. Register. Then you'll hear your name. When you do, call in the time frame and you could be headed to Super Bowl 57. Plus, you'll also win tickets to the FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. Again, text the word SUPER to 620-620. Vance Joseph has not been released from his contracts. Why exactly is that? Why is another team in the NFL doing exactly the same thing? We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. So in the midst of this coaching search for the Cardinals, still only two teams left in the NFL waiting to announce their new head coach. It's the Colts and the Arizona Cardinals. Everybody else is filled, and it doesn't appear as if there's going to be any other openings the rest of this offseason. So it's just down to these two. Gambo, we have talked a lot about the, the remaining candidates, Lou Anarumo, Mike Kafka. Those two guys are, are the finalists for the job. Brian Flores obviously is out. And then kind of looming over all of it has been Vance Joseph as the defensive coordinator, still under contract, still has a year left on his deal, still being, according to reports, uh, held by the Cardinals and not you know, letting him go explore other jobs or things like that. The Colts, for what it's worth, are doing exactly the same thing with their defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley. According to a report I'm looking at, at least four of the candidates for the Colts head coaching job have said they would like to keep Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. He is blocked from interviewing for other openings. And because of that, they're not because at least four of their coaching candidates have said they'd like to keep him. Right now, the Colts are working on keeping Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. They're not allowing him to speak to anybody else. So it's not just the Cardinals who are doing this with Vance. Apparently, the Colts are doing exactly the same thing with their defense. Defensive coordinator, just in case their new head coach wants Gus Bradley to be their defensive wow. coordinator. Interesting. And you look at the Colts and, and their coaching coaching search, and it's unprecedented how long that's taken and how many guys that they've interviewed, and they haven't you know they haven't hired anybody yet. I mean, there's a lot of talk with the Colts that they could hire, you know, a defensive guy. 
And and but if they did hire a defensive guy, that they keep Bradley. Some people think that they could. Um, so it is interesting that Bradley's in the same position as Vance Joseph. Vance yep. has been told he's not going to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, but he's also not released from his contract, which has I believe a year left. Uh, I think there's 15 coaches that are still on the contract on that defensive side of the ball. I think there's 15 coaches that haven't been let go yet, and that's you know. And, and if you're Michael, you let all those guys go, and you got to pay them. If you if there's a way to hire one of these coaches, and then they decide that they want to keep Vance and his staff, then that could be why all these guys are still are still not released from their contract. Yeah, and, and there is, and I feel for the guys, I really do, on that staff who might get caught in between the two, like like fifteen let, guys. You know, like let's say there are some of those fifteen guys, they're being held to their contracts, they're not allowed to go look for other jobs, and then when the dust settles and a new head coach is hired, there's no jobs, and, and well, there's no jobs for them to go find, and. and Maybe, you know, maybe Vance stays on as defensive coordinator, but maybe not all 15 of those guys are able to stay on. Now there's no jobs for them to go get. And now by freezing their ability to go speak to other teams, it's put them in a position where there, there are no jobs for them to find. And they, they could kind of screwed in that. And I'm not going to sit here and, and say that's why you're the, if you're the Cardinals, you should move on from Vance Joseph. I, I it's just, it's a, it's an awkward situation for those guys to be in because they want to make sure they line up a gig next year. And if they they sit around and wait to find out whether that gig is going to be with the Cardinals. They could very well get screwed out of a job next year, and that's inherently not very fair. Yeah, I think the Cardinals, I, if I look back and I say what mistakes were made, I think one of the mistakes they made was, was waiting until the end of the season to, to, to fire Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, I think that Michael knew, you know, I think Michael knew. Cliff knew. Michael knew. I mean, come on. I mean, at what point? I, I mean, do you, when, you, when you look at this, was it when they were four and nine, four and ten, four and eleven, four and twelve, four and thirteen? I mean, they were losing. They, they, they didn't. The last time they won a football game was in like November thirteenth. Like from that point forward, all they did was lose. So I don't. Um, I don't know that you. I, I, I think that that's probably a mistake that was made. I mean, they probably should have fired him earlier, made Vance the interim coach, got a real good feeling on Vance, and you know started the search and start to get underway a little bit earlier. So I think that a little late to the party, and you know now you've got a bunch of guys that didn't want to interview with the Cardinals or declined interviews and yeah. declined jobs, and so it's it's just not a good look overall. I I hope Michael Bidwell comes out of this okay. I want the Cardinals to do well, um, but you know Dan Quinn told the Cardinals. To, 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 he's not interested. D'Amico Ryan's canceled his interview. and So I think you look at this whole process, and you're sitting here, and you're, it's February 7th. Look, I expect they're going to have a coach hired by next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, they'll have a coach hired. I'm sure they will. And then what they do advance at that point, I'm not sure. Uh, but they're clearly hanging on to him with the belief that he might end up being the defensive coordinator. Yeah, and that's, you know, let me read this Jim Ursay. He tweeted about 45 minutes ago since we're talking about the Colts, too. He tweeted it from his own personal verified Twitter account, the owner of the Colts. We said as an organization the coaching search would be open-minded and a thorough process, and the final decision would be strictly based on what is best for our franchise's success and best for our fans of Colt Nation. 
situation. Final decision coming in days, not hours. So he's basically telling his fan base, settle in. We're not going to be deciding anytime soon. We're going to do this as thorough as we possibly can and talk to as many people as we possibly can. As far as Vance Joseph goes, I mean, look, I, I there was a report, not a report, there was a story today on CardsWire.com that kind of pointed out that maybe Vance Joseph could fit as defensive coordinator for either one of these guys for the Cardinals. Kafka, because he'd be a first-time head coach, and maybe he would need the help of having an experienced guy next to him. And Lou Anarumo, and, and I didn't know this until I read it, he's actually worked with Joseph in the past. When Joseph was the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins, Anarumo was his defensive backs coach. So it would be a little bit of a role reversal if Anarumo is the your head boss coach. Now. Yeah, exactly. I'm your boss now. Whether that would be a situation everybody would want, I don't know. I just, I hope, Cambo, and I don't know this. I, 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 I'm just thinking out loud here. I hope that what's going on here isn't the Cardinals telling these coaching candidates, we really want you to hire Vance Joseph as your defensive coordinator. I hope that's not what's happening here. Because chance that it is, though, Burns. And, and I know, and that's such a mistake. Okay, but look what happened. Look what happened to Ivero. Okay, look to Ajiro uh, Ivero. Mm-hmm. Broncos were in the same situation. He was looking at some opportunities. The Vikings, the Panthers, you know, there were teams that the Broncos eventually they let him go. They yeah. let him go. They cut ties. Yes, yes. And he ends up getting a job with the Carolina Panthers. And and, and that's and and that's why I think it's a, that's exactly why I think it's a mistake. Well, I think it's a mistake on a whole bunch of different levels. All right, I think it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake because I think you're limiting your pool of people who could be your next head coach if if you're telling them you want them to hire Vance Joseph as the defensive coordinator. I mean, we just you a, a second going to go mention guys who have said no to the Cardinals. Could that be one of the reasons why they're saying no to the Cardinals? You're making me hire somebody, a defensive coordinator I don't want to hire? You're, you're giving me a staff and I want to be able to fill my own staff and not be told who's going to be on my staff? I, I, I think, and, and I also think too, that if, let's say it's Kafka, and, 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 and he comes in here and he's supposed to be the new leader in the room, the new head coach, the one that they're all supposed to follow, doesn't it make him look weaker if he has to have a defensive coordinator chosen for him and he doesn't choose it himself, doesn't that kind of cut his credibility in the room a little bit, in the locker room a little bit, that he couldn't even come in here and pick his own defensive coordinator? He had to have the organization pick it for him. And is that how you want your new head coach to establish his position over the rest of the guys in the locker room? It seems like you're already putting him in a spot of weakness before he's even walked in the door if you make him have a certain defensive coordinator. You try to spin it a different way, I guess. You know, you you try to let him interview him and then say he's going to that he's decided to keep him. He wants to keep some continuity on the defense and things like that. I mean, everybody wants to have that. You know, look when Wilkes got hired, what did they do? They got McCoy to to come in. Why? Because McCoy had that experience as a head coach. Yeah. So I mean, that's you. You know, all you're always looking when you're hiring a first time coach. You're looking for that guy. You know, you you want that guy that's been a head coach before, and so that's what you do. But I mean, Mike but, but McCoy was a head coach worked. for the Chargers for years. Yeah, for but a few it, years. But it didn't work with Wilkes and McCoy. It didn't nope. work with Cliff and Vance. I mean, maybe it's time to try something different. Maybe the the first time head coach. Hey, let's bring him a guiding hand to help him through it. Well, you tried that a couple times. Didn't work. Yeah, unless I, just, you feel that you know what the like Flores is. Going gone, Wilkes is gone, Evero's gone, do you feel like Vance is the best guy out there, that you can't get anybody better than Vance? 
Maybe, but I think that needs to be Kafka's choice. I think that needs to be Anarumo's choice, and I think that choice needs to not be made for them. I think they need to make that I choice. I understand what you're saying, and you're probably right. You're probably right, but there are 15 coaches that are still on the contract right now for the Arizona Cardinals that were part of Cliff's staff that haven't been let go. Vance isn't the only one. No, I know. I know. So, you know, you, and, it's, it's not like... So, is it... It could be like the staff. Like we want to, we like our defensive staff. We we want to keep these guys. So that could be part of it. But I, I understand what you're saying. That's not a good spot to come in as the head coach, no. and you're kind of handcuffed right away because half the staff you can't even choose. And, and if you've got this, if there's this belief out there that you've got an owner who's meddling, that seems very much like meddling. Hey, you're you're going to be our head coach, but we really want you to have this guy as your defensive coordinator. It's like that. That's you know, it's kind of what we're trying to get away from here. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty. When we come back, he was here for four years, and now two years later, he's helped lead a very good defense all the way to the Super Bowl. Hassan Reddick reflected on his time in Arizona. You'll hear what he had to say next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Pfizer. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. So the big Super Bowl opening night, media day, everybody dressed up last night at Footprint Center. That was our first opportunity to hear from both the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs getting ready for Super Bowl 57 on Sunday. And I was hoping this was going to happen. I'm glad it did. Uh, Somebody, our own Tyler Drake was there, caught up with Hassan Reddick. Tyler Drake and others caught up with Hassan Reddick about returning to Arizona, reminiscing about his time here. Here's what Reddick said to Tyler Drake and other reporters last night. When I came back, I did quite some reminiscing, you know. Even today, we, I got the chance to go back to the to where I used to practice at and stuff like that. Man, just I, I soaked it all in, thinking about how my career started and how and how I ended up here at the end of the day. And you know, it's been a journey, man. Ups and downs, a lot of them, you know. But like I said, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Everything happens for a reason, and I believe that. And look at me now, you know, with my hometown team getting ready to play for a Super Bowl. It's tough to watch him, isn't it? It's 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 just tough when you've got a guy that was... Look, I I read a story today, I think I I sent it to you, and it was talking about how he kind of feels like overlooked. He kind of feels like he's not really valued as a great pass rusher. Uh, And the story, you know, the the, the story goes on to talk about, it says, I don't feel I get enough respect as a pass rusher. And it said, you know, he was the 13th overall pick. He had seven and a half sacks in 40 games with the Cardinals. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Seven and a half sacks in 40 games. Look, they played him out of position. They played him the wrong way. 13th overall pick. Tried to make him a linebacker, not a pass rusher. And he's exploded. Like, he's exploded. He earned that three-year, $45 million contract. It looks like a, a steal with what they got from him. Derek, listen, it's... A, it's we could go over mistakes that organizations made, but there's no question that this Hassan Reddick, you know, losing him is is going to go down as one of the bigger mistakes that the that the Cardinals have made. Now he said last night during opening night that he has no hard feelings towards the Cardinals. My feelings towards the Cardinals, man. Uh, I have no feelings, no ill feelings, no none of that. You know, um, I'm still playing football. I still get to do what I love. You know, I'm in a different place and I'm balling. So uh, I have no ill feelings towards them. Um, as far as changes, you know, I mean, 
is evident, you know, they got some things going on, but pretty much that. Everything you hear about how that all went down between the Cardinals and Hassan Reddick during all those years that they were trying to make him something that he wasn't, everything you hear is that he handled it with grace, he handled it with class, he handled it with style, he, he you want me to try, okay, you, I'll do what you want me to do. Whatever you're asking me to do, I'll go do it, right? And he didn't pout, he didn't throw a fit, he didn't do any of that stuff that maybe guys might do if they feel like they're being played out of position. Everything I've heard is that he handled it with grace and class. Um, and, and I don't know why he would have hard feelings. He, uh, Yeah, maybe he misplaced the first few years of his career. I would say it all worked out for him. He's getting paid handsomely by Philadelphia. I don't agree that he doesn't get the respect he thinks he doesn't get. I think he's very respected in this league as a pass rusher. I think he's got it all right. He's playing for a Super Bowl for his hometown football team. That's the stuff little boys dream of when they grow up. Absolutely. Listen, there, there was a belief in that organization, I'm telling you, that they, they, they didn't feel like mentally he could handle everything that they were throwing at him. And and that's why, Oops. you know. <laughs> no, it's true. It's I know. True. I'm that, saying they were I'm, wrong. Oops. Yeah. They were wrong. They felt that he could only handle so much mentally. And, you know, there was a game. You know, September 2020, he broke up a pass, and they kind of thought that was huge, that that could be, you know, you know something that, that really got him going. And then there was a, you know, there was a CBS Sports report. You can go back to, you know, 2000, and uh, I think it was 2019. There was a CBS Sports report about the, you know, that they, you know, that they could trade uh, Dayon and Hassan, and the Cardinals would know they weren't trading him. You know, they were going to listen at that time. They were. You know, this was 2018 that they would listen, but they weren't going to trade him. And then when Suggs, you know, Suggs came in and, you know, his back was messed up and he wasn't playing very well. They kind of looked at that as a great opportunity to get Hassan the reps that he needed to get and try to, you know, see what they could do with him there. So I, I think that they... I think that they absolutely had him played and out of position. And there were times when I just, you know, I think the disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff on how to play him was real. And they ended up losing him, and he's flourished. And it's a huge mistake that they, you know, that they obviously regret because they don't have a pass rusher yeah, right now. You, the, the rant that you went on last week was one of your all-time classics. You, you had a winning lottery ticket, and you threw it away. Threw it away. You know, you had it. You had a ticket where you were going to win half a million dollars, and you actually accidentally threw it away and you had one of the hardest to get commodities in this league on your own roster controllable and in in and you let them go a pass rusher who can get you that kind of sack production man those guys do not grow on trees and the cardinals had the winning lot no. and they threw it away they threw no, it away. They, listen, I think that they loved him personally, but the, the lack of production and the, the uh, you know the not picking a lot of it up mentally, and so they weren't going to franchise him. It was sixteen million dollars. You get no cap relief, or you get no help with the structure. And, and at that point, I remember them saying, "Look, if you take away the five sacks that he had against a rookie offensive tackle, he had a nice year." But you know, they 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 didn't want him. And there was some talk that he was late for meetings, and you know, he just made a lot of mistakes. So they didn't know what his market was going to be. They just did not know what his market was going to be. They weren't sure who was going to get him. But when they when they when they decided to let him go, they would they were pretty confident. They were pretty confident that they weren't letting go a guy that was going to come in here and get you know 
you know, all the sacks that he's getting. What do you have, 16 sacks <laughs> the last year, this yeah, year, 16, 16? 16, 16, 16 and a half, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd have to go back to that game, but this, you know, I, I, I mean, my notes here, if you take away the five sacks against a rookie offensive tackle, they, they just thought that he had an okay year. <sighs> They'd like to have him, have him back, but they weren't, they weren't sold on him. And when they let him go, when they made that decision in March of 2021 to let him go, they, they were, they did not believe that he was going to end up being the player that he is right now. I'm telling you that. I'm telling you they did not think he was going to end up being a good player. They were very, very wrong. Join us this Friday from 2 until 6 as we kick off the Pepsi Fan Fest from the Arizona Center in downtown Phoenix. The Pepsi Fan Fest includes food, beverages, games, live performances by Tech 9 and others, plus an autograph signing by Ricky Waters. That's this Friday the Arizona Center in Phoenix. A lot of news circulating around the sports world today. Look at that. It's time to get you caught up on all of it. 4 o'clock reset. Next on the Burns and Gambo Show.